0: Welcome to the IMS Insights Podcast. I'm your host, Teresa Barber. We are so excited that you've joined us today. At IMS, we provide consultative trial and expert services for the most influential global firms. Through our work, we get to connect with the most sought after subject matter experts and sharpest attorneys. This allows us to deliver timely and important perspectives on critical trends and issues in technology, policy, industry, and law for our clients. Today, we're speaking with a very special client from our network, Manisha Sheth. Sheth is co-chair of Quinn Emanuel's Government and Regulatory Litigation Practice and the firm's Sexual Harassment and Employment Discrimination Practice. A seasoned trial lawyer with more than 20 years of experience in both private practice and government prosecutions, Sheth was lead attorney on one of the most high-profile cases during the residential mortgage-backed securities crisis. Today, her practice focuses on complex civil litigation, white-collar criminal defense, and internal investigations. Sheth recently served as Executive Deputy Attorney General for the Division of Economic Justice at the Office of the New York Attorney General, where she supervised all of the office's complex commercial investigations and enforcement actions in the areas of antitrust, securities fraud, cybersecurity and data privacy, consumer fraud, and government contracts fraud. Sheth has extensive experience representing both plaintiffs and defendants in a wide range of complex commercial disputes such as breach of contract, and was lead attorney on several high-profile investigations and litigations. During her tenure at the U.S. Attorney General's Office, Sheth conducted numerous long-term grand jury investigations and prosecutions for a wide variety of federal crimes including health care fraud, financial institution fraud, and regulatory crimes. Sheth was nominated for the Attorney General's Award for Outstanding Service by a New Employee in 2005, the Federal Bar Association's Younger Federal Lawyer Award in 2008, and was recently recognized in Crane's 40 Under 40. In today's episode of the IMS Insights Podcast, we'll discuss Quinn Emanuel's new Me Too practice and what led Sheth to launch this practice group. Welcome, Manisha. So Manisha, thank you so much for joining us today on IMS Insights. I'm um, really happy to, to speak with you.
1: It's great to be here. Thanks, Teresa.
0: So I want to ask you a little bit about Quinn Emanuel's Me Too practice. What precipitated Quinn Emanuel's decision to start a Me Too practice?
1: That's a great question. Um, So the Me Too movement has shined a light on sexual harassment and gender-based discrimination, and it has revealed over the course of the last few years that harassment and discrimination is not limited to particular sectors or industries, and it's not um, a few isolated instances, but rather the harassment and discrimination is pervasive across all industries and all levels of the organization. And we've seen that more and more victims are feeling empowered to come forward with their experiences of such harassment and discrimination. And in many ways, that is having a, a domino effect. Um, that once the first victim comes forward, it results in many other victims um, of either the same perpetrator or at the same entity uh, to follow. And and we're seeing powers in numbers. So we saw that we were at an inflection point in our society where you know, such misconduct was um, more more often coming to light and less willing to be tolerated by us as a society. And we also saw that um, there was surprisingly no other firm in the AmLaw 100 that was taking on these cases on behalf of plaintiffs um, or victims and survivors. And so we felt this was an opportunity for, uh, for us, both from a a business standpoint, but also um, from a societal good standpoint to step in and really try to level the playing field for these victims. So
0: Quinn Emanuel is a, it's a global law firm, very reputable firm. Um, Why do you think no other Amlaw 100 firm has created a practice for defending victims of sexual harassment and workplace discrimination, Manisha?
1: Yes well from from a legal perspective these are challenging cases um oftentimes we see that victims may not be willing to to pursue a legal remedy because that will involve in many cases um the ability to go forward in a public space. So like filing a lawsuit is a public proceeding, and there may be concerns about reputation and the embarrassment factor. And so victims may not be willing to to go down that road. There's also issues with regard to statutes of limitations. Um, In many instances, the the misconduct or harassment happened many years ago, and the, the case may be outside of the relevant statute of limitations. There may also be issues relating to evidence and proof. Um, it often may be a case of he said, she said, without many other uh, witnesses or corroborating documents. So I think, from a legal perspective, these are tough cases to bring and to, and to win. But also from a business perspective, uh, these representations might be riskier for the law firm, and it could be argued that perhaps the safer course is to do internal investigations or compliance work on the behalf of companies and, and organizations. And so what we saw here was a gap or a void in the market and an opportunity to fill it. And yes, it might be um, somewhat of a risky move, but we, we've been known to, to take risky moves in the past, especially with our, our practice litigating against the large financial institutions. And so we welcome that, that opportunity. You were lead. So I want to talk about that for a
0: minute. You were lead attorney on one of the largest residential mortgage-backed securities cases during the housing crisis and recently been working in government prosecution, supervising complex commercial investigations and enforcement actions in the New New York Attorney General's office. How has your career prepared you to lead a Me Too practice?
1: I've spent um, the bulk of my career in private practice and in in government service on plaintiff side cases. And um, I was a federal um, criminal prosecutor, and I also, at the state level, uh, was a civil prosecutor. And from those experiences, I have learned how to efficiently investigate a case, how to put together a compelling narrative for a complaint, and most importantly, how to prove that case at trial with admissible evidence. And so I feel that my experience as a prosecutor has allowed me to not only build cases, but skillfully interview witnesses and assess the credibility of witnesses, which is an important skill to have in this particular practice area. In addition, my experience in the private sector on behalf of plaintiffs bringing plaintiff side litigation has really educated me across numerous industries about how businesses work and, um, you know, how their internal control processes work and and the um, events at play within the those companies that may have an impact on how complaints of sexual harassment and discrimination are handled. And most recently, while I was at the New York Attorney General's office, I was involved in discussions about the most significant cases uh, and high-profile investigations in the office. And during my tenure, one of those cases was the Weinstein prosecution. And um, that investigation was an important marker in, uh, because I think it was a turning point in how companies can now be held accountable for the conduct of their executives and their employees. And if companies had knowledge of complaints about harassment or discrimination, and failed to do anything about those complaints, whether it's failing to investigate or take corrective action, they, they could be held accountable and held liable for those failures.
0: That's interesting. And kind of thinking about it back into context of the Me Too movement and this new Me Too practice with Quinn Emanuel, what do you think that's going to mean for the future of sexual harassment cases?
1: Well, I think, um, as I mentioned, I think the entry of Quinn Emanuel will level the playing field. Um, for one, no other firm has the deep bench of trial lawyers and former prosecutors that we have, or the experience in high-stakes plaintiff-side litigation, as well as our intimate knowledge of the defense-side issues that are likely to arise in these employment cases, because we're well familiar with the defense-side playbook in these cases because of our experience handling employment litigation on the defense side. Um, In addition, I think we bring to the table a a credible threat of going to trial. Um, We know our lawyers, our partners, know how to try cases. Um, We're willing to try the tough cases. And that often has resulted in very favorable settlements for our clients. And finally, I would note that you know recently, um, for a number of years, we have been recognized as one of the four most feared law firms in the world based on a recent survey of, of um, companies. And many of our clients have, have witnessed what they call the Quinn Emanuel effect, where the other side will often throw in the towel early once we surface in a case. So I think these um, skills and experiences and reputation will allow us to get um, favorable and early resolutions for our clients.
0: That's interesting. And it sounds like it could be catalytic for victims of Me Too crimes. How, do you, um, how would you kind of frame what you perceive as the, the difficulties that victims of Me Too crimes face right now or have currently faced, uh, recently faced obtaining justice through the legal system?
1: Right. Um, Well, in addition to the statute of limitations and evidentiary issues we discussed, um, there's also the the business consequences of coming forward. So, consequences with regard to current employment, uh, and that would include fear of retaliation from the company, fear of being phased out or ostracized or intimidated, or even smear campaigns against the victim who came forward. And then with regard to consequences relating to future employment, the victim may be viewed as a troublemaker or a problematic employee, and it may result in difficulties, serious difficulties getting hired um, with regard to future employment. The other area where um, we're seeing some uh, some issues and challenges is with regard to the intersectionality of uh, socioeconomic status and race. And we're, we're seeing both anecdotal as well as uh, studies in academia that it is oftentimes more difficult for victims who are in lower socioeconomic um, who have lower socioeconomic status or minorities from coming forward and um, It's interesting to look at the contrast between the incidents of Sexual harassment and discrimination among those groups and their willingness to come forward and report uh, Such misconduct and then seek legal remedies for such misconduct
0: Thank You Manisha how would you say Quinn Emanuel's Me Too practice will provide a different legal experience for and maybe even a better outcome for victims than previously? And what would you say benefits could be of creating this practice group?
1: Yes. Um, so the the practice group, I think, lends a lot of advantages. Um for, for one we have a dedicated group of attorneys um, who are focused on representing victims of sexual harassment and discrimination in both the workplace setting as well as in the higher educational setting and these attorneys are seasoned trial lawyers former federal prosecutors experienced in plaintiff side litigation and or employment litigation and in addition the practice group gives us a structure for sharing that knowledge that experience and those strengths Strategies in these kinds of cases, it also allows us to identify opportunities to grow the practice by mining existing contexts, but also developing new ones, and most importantly, dividing the workload necessary to launch and develop this practice, which which we're pretty much doing from scratch. So it has been, um, you know, a very time intensive uh, labor, but certainly a labor of love.
0: Sure, sounds like an exciting challenge. It is, <laughs> and. Um, What about industry groups and nonprofits and those relationships that you're able to bring to bear? How important are those and what role do they play?
1: That's a great question. Um, These organizations, both nonprofits and industry groups, have been immersed in these kinds of cases, sexual harassment and discrimination cases, for many years, much longer than than the time that we've launched. And they are the ones who are on the front lines in terms of being the first point of contact with the victim. They're also very well versed in policy and regulatory developments, as well as challenges um, that these victims may face. And so we, we have found that it's um, critical for us to develop and grow these relationships with industry groups as well as nonprofits, um, both as a means of you know getting the word out that Quinn Emanuel has entered this space, but also because it will help us to learn the issues and the challenges in bringing these kinds of sexual harassment and discrimination matters. And we're getting a sense of it from um, from a multi-dimensional perspective. So not just from the litigation context, but also in the context of policy and regulation as well. And in this vein, we have met up with leadership at at multiple organizations, including Time's Up, the National Women's Law Center, the Model Alliance, um, JDO, Doe. And we're continuing to meet with other organizations as we develop this practice.
0: Huge thanks to Manisha Sheth for taking the time to talk with us and share some powerful perspectives on the Me Too movement and areas for commercial litigators and corporate counsel to monitor. At IMS, we're honored to connect our clients with the expertise you need. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast above and check out our other resources on our website at www.expertservices.com. If there's a topic or a matter you'd like to learn more about or see featured in a future podcast episode, reach our editorial team through our website or by email at editor at or tweet us at expertservices. Thanks again for joining today. We look forward to sharing more insights with you next time in the IMS Insights Podcast.